Welcome to the Wealth and Wellness Podcast with me, Kaylee Boisvert. I specialize in helping people to achieve their financial goals. I have a love for all things numbers, and I am passionate about financial literacy. My goal is to spark healthy and positive conversations around wealth and investment and create a world where nobody is limited by their financial situation. But wealth is just one piece in the equation of living our best lives. So join me as we explore both wealth and wellness topics. From your net worth to your self-worth, get ready to take confident action. Hello, and welcome to the Wealth and Wellness Podcast. I am Kaylee, and thank you for tuning in for this episode. So today we are talking all about financial resolutions for 2021. Um, Financial resolutions. I know they can be get to be a bit much, so you either like me or hate me for this episode. Um, I feel like everyone has a very different um, feelings and thoughts on resolutions, so no pressure or anything like that for this episode, but I'm really personally all about setting goals, um, tracking progress, especially when it comes to money, and um, all about taking action, and it makes such a big difference when it comes to your money. So taking action um, can make a huge difference. So, you know, procrastination, we can do that on certain things in our lives. Um, but when it comes to money, if you can take action, and if you can put things in place sooner rather than later, it does make such a big difference. So no procrastination or delaying when it comes to your money. Um, and I am a strong believer in the, the, I guess, financial resolutions or taking confident action with your money. So hopefully <clears throat> I can get you to be a believer and join me in that belief as well. So first off, um, I want to just suggest that you take some time to reflect on last year. So reflect on 2020. Obviously, um, it was quite the year a lot occurred, but take some time and think about kind of on the financial side of things. Um, how did things go? Is there anything you would have changed? Um, looking back now, if you could have changed anything or done something differently, what might have that been? Or is there anything that you were really proud of that you did um, that you did well that you maybe would want to continue into this year? So um, if you were able to work throughout COVID, then maybe it was that you were saving a little bit more, cutting back on um, certain expenses, and that's something maybe that you want to continue. So take some time, reflect on last year, and in that reflection, I mean, maybe even write some of that stuff down, what comes up. So anything that maybe, you know, last year left you thinking, you know, I need to be doing more of this, or maybe it was, hey, I did this really well. I want to continue it for 2021. So to take some time on that um, separately, I'm not going to give you time right now. You'll have to pause this first, or um, we'll move along and maybe you can do it at the end, but um, maybe it's, maybe it's time to take a pause, pause and write those things down. Um, so for this episode, I'm going to be offering some resolutions and it's basically just ideas to incorporate on, on going forward as well. What are some things, what are some good diligent financial habits, things we can start putting in place now, um, to create, you know, to grow your wealth, um, create good positive money strategies. So that's what we're going to be chatting about in this episode. So I'm just going to be listing lots of different financial resolutions and giving a little bit of explanation of those. So 
to start it out. Number one, um, get organized. So (laughs) that's a tough one for anyone who's not the, I'm not necessarily the most organized person in some, in some respects when it comes to organizing my house. That's, you know, that's not really my, it's not really what I'm, I'm, what I'm great at. It's not one of my strong suits, but, um, getting organized is such a great step to start at when it comes to our money. And really it's us starting by taking an inventory of where we stand, where we're at right now. So it's hard to make goals, um, work toward, you know, financial goals that we might have if we don't know where we are right now today. So that's what step one is. So this first resolution is important probably for everyone to implement that getting organized. Um, And this is not an exercise to criticize yourself. I know sometimes when it comes to money, you know, we think if maybe if I don't look at it, don't really, um, you know, pay attention to it. I don't have to think about it. So um, don't think of this as like an exercise where it's, you know, all this, you're going to have to see these things that maybe you weren't, you know, don't necessarily want to have seen or, um, you know, things that make mistakes or things you've done in the past that maybe you didn't want to have to think about. Um, Again, it's not an exercise to criticize yourself. It is really just about creating an awareness. So there's no judgment here at all. Um, Again, it's just, let's get organized. Let's create an awareness, not good or bad, not right or wrong. Let's just see where things stand. So great tools for creating an awareness are your net worth statement and a budget. So a net worth statement is simply a list of everything you own, so your assets, minus everything you owe, liabilities. And so that's going to be one good um, spreadsheet or um, item to have, whatever you utilize um, to make that possible. Like I said, spreadsheet's a good one, but even, you know, a piece of paper, um, opening up a document online, um, using a program on your phone, anything works. But ultimately, you want to have that list of everything you own and everything you owe. And so we know where your net worth statement is, where you stand at this point in time, where you stand today. And then a budget is helpful in answering the questions, how much money is coming in every month and how much money do I spend? So those questions, you know, the best way to answer it is a budget. And I know budgets aren't the most fun task either. Um, But if you don't know the answer to these questions already, Again, it's a really good time to take this opportunity just to say, okay, what are those the answers? Again, no judgment here. It's just how much money comes in every month and how much do I spend? And realistically, that's why you know I suggest the budget because you want to look at each item instead of doing that guesstimate of, you know, I probably spend this much on my mortgage and insurance and starting to add it up in your head and doing the quick math. Make sure you're actually looking through. Um, a full month of data to see what it looks like. Because some of those small expenses, they can add up fast, or there's just sometimes items that we forget to include in that calculation if we're just doing it off the top of our head. So again, we're getting organized. And once we have this awareness, then you can decide, are there any changes you would like to make? Or maybe this awareness has brought to you, wow, you know, I'm, I'm right where I want to be, or I didn't realize, you know, this is where I am and I feel good about this. And now I just want to continue forward. Or maybe it's, you know, you see some things and, and there's goals or changes you want to work toward in 2021. So before you make any big financial changes or decisions in your financial life, this is a great place to start by simply getting organized, taking that inventory of where you stand. Maybe this is a fun little project for the weekend. Fun. So make sure though, let's use the word fun in it because we're never going to do it if we don't make it fun. So make it fun. Get yourself a fancy little coffee or something like that before you get started on tackling this getting organized project. 
Um, so financial resolution number two, um, a big one that comes up, I think, is, is to do with saving and spending. So number two, we're talking about taking control of spending or spending less. That's always a big goal I find for people is I need to spend less money. I spend too much money. So if that's you, um, here's some ideas. So um, first off, though, it's, you know, it ha- let's acknowledge it's become very easy to spend money. Even when we are, you know, trapped in our homes, not able to get out and go as many places. Well, we have, you know, wonderful online tools where we're able to buy online at any time of the day. So it's not even restricted to the hours of the mall. Um, we can do our online shopping in the middle of the night. Um, and it comes in handy for things like Christmas shopping, I must say. Um, online shopping was very Um, helpful in that. But um, when it comes to just that ongoing spending, it can get so easy to, we see these items online and it's just sort of click of a button and boom, we've bought it. So um, let's acknowledge, you know, it has become very easy. So finding ways maybe to make that less easy for ourselves, (laughs) Um, maybe, you know, get putting in some rules for yourself on on spending on these things. as well, target, we have to acknowledge too, I would say targeted marketing and on our electronic devices, um, you know, we can't even talk about something we might need or want. And then the, you know, the next moment you find yourself looking on your phone for something and there's an ad for it. Um, that thing you were talking about the other day. So targeted marketing, they're getting, they're very good. They're getting very tricky um, at, you know, putting those items in front of us. So it's, again, there's all these forces working against us um, for spending money. So it's, it's hard. It's hard to spend less money. Let's acknowledge that and give yourself some grace um, if it's something you've been struggling with. Um, social media as well, it has the ability where we're, you know, seeing what other people are doing and what other people have. And maybe it's, you know, sparking some interest ourselves of, well, I need that and I want to buy that. And Um, So that's another thing, again, working against us. And then um, the use of debt. So debt has made it very easy for us to purchase these things online. And, um, you know, it's just, well, I can just put it on my credit card and um, I'll pay it off later. And, you know, what's happening in that moment is we're essentially we're disconnecting ourselves um, from, you know, our future self that's going to pay it later and the self today, the self today that, you know, I just want it. I just want to have it right now. Um, But we don't really think about, well, I'm going to have to pay for that later. Um, So again, that's something else that's kind of going on making it easy to spend. So there are some proof then that it's easy to spend. And if spending has been something that, you know, you've wanted to work towards cutting back on, um, let's acknowledge again, let's give ourselves grace, acknowledge it is tough. Um, so what are some ways to spend less? Um, a good idea is just to take an inventory. So this goes back to the budget conversation, taking inventory of how much you typically spend in a month. Um, and reviewing each entry then. So looking at a past month and then reviewing each entry line by line, every single one. And from that decide, is there anything that can be easily eliminated? So is there something showing up that you're like, wow, I didn't even realize I'm spending that much money at, you know, at eating out or something like that. Um, so anything, is there anything that you don't actually use that comes up? So oftentimes maybe we signed up for a subscription and we forgot to cancel it and it's not actually something we even use anymore. So check if there's anything that can be easily eliminated. Um, Creative changes. So maybe there's some bundling that can go on. Um, Maybe your insurance for your car is separate from your house insurance. And if you talk to one of the providers, see if you move all products to the, you know, under one um, company, maybe they can bundle it up, give you some discounts. 
um, checking in with your providers when it comes to like your phone and internet. Sometimes they're offering um, promo deals, things like that, that you can sign up for. So maybe there's some creative changes you can make. Um, are there any luxuries you can scale back on? So if you're finding that, you know, you're buying those fancy coffees too often, that's, that's the one that I, gets me every time. Um, maybe it's a matter of saying, okay, you know, I'm going to only allow myself three days a week to indulge in these fancy coffees. Um, and then any, any sort of habits and things like that, that you want to stop or any habits that you would like to break. And again, let's acknowledge that it's not easy. Um, so it is going to, take an effort and take time. Um, so what are some ideas to take control of spending? Also, if there's, if it has been a challenge, a struggle, and you do really want to get serious about this. Um, so again, it comes down to recording and, you know, my suggestion is recording. So what I was talking about just, um, just before was about going backwards through expenses, but tracking now on a daily basis, if you can track what you spend maybe for a full week or a full month going forward, that's going to help you really understand where money's going. But also that tracking, you know, it, it gives us that moment of pause to decide, you know, do I really need this? Cause it's the whole, well, then I'm going to have to track it. I'm going to have to write it down. It's almost just that like one extra task that you have to do that, you know, gives us that moment of pause. And so, you know, my suggestion is track everything you spend for one full week, um, maybe a month if you're ambitious. I had someone on Instagram even comment that their goal for 2021 was to track everything they spend for every day for the whole year. So that's extremely ambitious. And I, you know, I really believe that what comes with that is a reduced spending if you are committing to tracking. But if you think every day for the full year is a little much for you, again, try it for a week, try it for a month, see how that goes. Um, reducing the number of payment methods you have. So again, it's that, you know, if we have multiple credit cards and we have, a you know, our, our debit card as well, and we're kind of using it sort of just, you know, whatever one you pull out of your wallet at that moment you're paying for, it becomes difficult to track how much we're actually spending. And it's harder to see, you know, how much money we're spending in a month if we're, we're having all these different credit cards and things like that, because it's not then all being reported in one place. And you might be forgetting to check one of those um, bills and to see, you know, where that credit card is standing. So again, if we can kind of reduce the number of payment methods you have, maybe it's one credit card, one debit card that you have accessible in your wallet. And maybe you have another credit card at home that you only use for really big purchases, like booking a trip or something like that. So you kind of keep it hidden away and only pull it out for those big purchases. Um, another idea is using cash. That's one that comes up in a lot of the personal finance books. Um, so it's that idea of having the cash in your wallet, because if you don't have the cash, then essentially you can't buy it. So again, it's pulling us back to that. You know, we're not disconnecting our today self with the one that's going to have to pay for it later. If we just, if we put it on a credit card and just go, okay, I'll pay for it, you know, at a, a future time, if we're having to commit to using cash, then you, we look in our wallet, do I have enough cash? If you do not, you cannot buy it. You cannot spend that money. And if you do, you know, you might say, oh, I only have this much cash for the week. Um, so if I spend it on this, I won't have any for the rest of the week, or I won't have enough to get this later on. So using cash kind of puts us back into present time and deciding, you know, can I be spending this money? Um, yes, less of that, maybe that, um, 
that spending where we're, we're disconnecting, where we're just putting on credit card and saying, I'll pay it later. Um, using the phrase, uh, I can't afford it. So this one came up in the wealthy barber returns. Um, and he chatted about, you know, a friend was saying that he was just spending too much money and he didn't know how to stop. And so his David Chilton, his suggestion was just say, I can't afford it. So when it was people asking him to go on trips with them or, you know, go out for these fancy dinners, if you just say, Hey, can't afford it. It kind of just puts up the boundary. They don't, you know, hassle you anymore about it because people can really respect that. So, um, you know, and whether it's the case or not that you truly can or cannot afford it, maybe it's just, it's not the right time. It's not good timing for you. And you do have these goals of how much you want to be spending and if you want to be cutting back. And so just saying that again, it just sets that boundary for, no, I'm not going to spend this money. Um, and people can really understand it. So if you do feel that peer pressure as well with spending, that's a good one to use. Um, setting rules for yourself. So an example of that would be, you know, anything that costs over $150 or $200, I have to think about it for 48 hours before making that purchase. So you're giving yourself that time to really, again, digest, think about it. Um, and then maybe in that 48 hours, you decide, no, you know what? I don't really need it that badly, or I'm going to hold off and wait a bit longer. Um, or maybe after 48 hours, you're like, yep, still really want it. But then at least, you know, you know, that's, that's the case and you won't have any of that buyer's remorse or feeling like it was, you know, that you just kind of quickly made that decision and it was not enough time spent in it and maybe money that you were regret spending later on. So giving yourself that 48 hours pause to think about it. Um, and do remember small purchases add up. So do not forget that. I saw an Instagram post that said, you know, how can you come up with $10,000 a year? Well, by spending $27, about $27 a day. So I think we can all find ways to spend $27 a day on just like odds and ends. Um, but that adds up and that adds up to about $10,000 a year. So I think it was like $27.40 or something like that. If you spend that on a daily basis, it becomes $10,000 for the year. So that's huge. Like when you think of it that way, you go, wow, every little bit does really help and make a difference. Okay. So resolution number three, um, again, another popular one. So the one we talked about just last was about spending less. And now another one that kind of goes hand in hand with that, I find is, um, people wanting to save more. Um, so it's great goal to have. I'm big proponent of people wanting to save more money. I think that's a great thing to do. Um, so I'm all about the saving more resolution. Um, so first off, what I want to say with this one is that reminder of paying yourself first. So I don't think we, you know, really think about that and what that means. It's the idea of instead of money coming in, you know, when, whether it be your, your paycheck once a month or twice a month, whatever that looks like for you, but that money coming in. And then if it's just simply going right back out again, where it's okay, now I have to pay for this, 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 and you divvy it up to all the people waiting for you to pay. And then nothing's left or it's, you know, what's left, then you go, okay, now, you know, this is my money or what's left. Instead of doing that, can we change that around and say, okay, I'm going to pay myself first. Um, so setting that money aside, um, paying yourself first could be putting it right into your checking account. So you have a little bit more for the monthly things that are things that you want to spend little splurges or things like that. Um, maybe it's putting it into an emergency account that you're starting to build. Maybe it's putting it into your long-term savings, um, a travel account, whatever that looks like, but it's that money that you're saying, okay, this is for me. 
And then we can go ahead and now pay all those people waiting for our money. Um, but making sure still that you're paying yourself first, it just sends a good message that, you know, you're, you're working for you too. And there's a piece of that that's going to you and whatever it is that you're looking to really work towards and achieve. So an example of that is, and again, it's make it easier for yourself. So set up a disciplined saving strategy. An example is, let's say you get paid on the first and the 15th of the month, maybe on the first you have, you know, $200 go to your retirement savings. And then on the 15th, um, $100 goes to your emergency fund that you're starting to build up. Um, when it comes to the question, often people ask, well, how much should I be saving? And, you know, all sorts of numbers are kind of thrown at us in different, whether you're reading personal finance books or different articles, um, you might see 10%, 15%, some would say more. Um, and this is of gross, your gross income. So my answer to that really is it depends. And what it's going to depend on is things like your age and, you know, the goals you're saving for and how much you're looking to save in those sort of goals or buckets. So if you're wanting this very, you know, um, very comfortable retirement where you're not really strapped for cash, you're able to travel, do the things you want to do, then that number is going to be a little bit higher. But if you, you know, if you have different plans where you're like, I'm not big into traveling, I want to live really simple and um, just spend time with family, which is local and things like that, then it could be different. And again, if you're young, the number could be quite a bit lower than if you've waited longer and haven't been saving. And now you're getting closer to that financial freedom or retirement age, then it might be a little bit higher. But I would say um, a good rule of thumb or what to aim for would be between that 10 to 15% of gross income that you're saving um, on an annual basis. So a late start, keep in mind then a late start will require a higher savings rate. So it might be a little bit higher if you haven't been saving. And um, you can, though, of course, I always encourage people just start where you are, start with what is feasible, what you can do, and then um, have a goal to increase it. So maybe you say, wow, I, I cannot put away 15% of my gross salary towards savings, but I can do 5% comfortably. And, you know, in 2021, my goal will be to increase that to 7% by the end of the year or something like that. Again, anything is better than nothing. So don't let that number, um, you know, scare you or put you off of doing any saving so that the number is the number. But again, at the end of the day, if it's not possible, do what is. And don't forget to consider employee savings plans in that. So if you have an employer that matches or puts away a certain amount on your behalf, that would be counting towards that savings goal too, whether it's, is it 10, 15% or whatever you're looking to achieve, maybe even a little bit higher, but what they're putting away would count towards that. Resolution number four, have an emergency fund. So obviously a lot happened in 2020. Um, and I think one of the you know lessons we pull out of that is that anything can happen at any time. So what can we do to be prepared and to kind of create this um, sort of safety net for ourselves if something like that were to arise again or if there's still some concern over your job security. Um, so I do highly suggest you have an emergency fund. If you don't have one already, completely okay. Let's talk about then building one, working towards creating one. How much should you have in your emergency fund? Again, it depends. Um, a, a good rule of thumb is three to six months worth of expenses have in your emergency fund. Um, 
if your situation um, is a little, you know, more concerning, maybe you have a big family, lots of children, something like that, you might want to have that number a little bit bigger. Um, or if your job security, um, it, you know, if you don't feel as secure in your employment position, again, maybe you want to aim for more like nine months worth of expenses. Um, but again, a good place to shoot for at least is three to six months. Um, start where you are. Again, it's okay if you don't have one already, but let's work towards building one and start with what you can do. Incorporate it into your monthly savings. Maybe you're able to put away $100 a month towards that emergency fund. That's great because that's better than nothing. Um, be sure you're getting a return on your cash. So maybe at least making sure you're kind of have it one step removed from that, your checking or the account where money's kind of going in and out from and getting a little bit better of a return. We're in ultra low rates right now as far as interest rates. So there's not a big return on cash. It's actually very small, but I mean, anything's a little bit better than, better than nothing. And at least having it too separate from that um, incoming and outgoing money is great to kind of having it one step removed so you don't have as easy access to it. Resolution number five, protecting yourself from the unknown. So a few things we can talk about here, but again, it goes with that theme of we saw really um, unprecedented scenarios play out in 2020. And from that, maybe a big thing that has come for us is that reminder of, okay, let's just make sure we're planning for these worst case scenarios. We're doing some risk mitigation. Um, again, we don't know what's to come, but if we can plan for some of the unknown scenarios, it is extremely helpful for if something is to happen. So one of the ways you can protect yourself from the unknown is to make sure you're designating beneficiaries on any accounts that have beneficiary designations. And maybe you already have them designated, but maybe it's time you check in on those designations and update it if that's something that needs to happen. So Maybe you had your spouse listed as beneficiary, but you got divorced and you haven't actually changed that yet. So that's one example of where you'd want to make that update and make sure it's reflective of who you want as your beneficiary. Um, insurance policies. So just making sure, you know, are you insured? Is the coverage sufficient if something were to happen? And if not, maybe it's a matter of time sitting down, talking with someone and seeing if there's anything that needs to be changed. Um, do you have a will, personal directive, enduring power of attorney in place? Those are very important documents to have in place. Um, I have a podcast episode all about wills. So if that's something you haven't listened to yet, I highly recommend it. If it's um, something on, on your list of to-dos that you want to get done, um, great task to do for 2021 and a very important one. So having a will in place and if you do have a will in place, maybe it's a matter of checking into if it's up to date. So if you did a will quite a few years ago and since then, maybe you've had children or maybe it's that your children, you know, went from being dependents to now being adult children. And so you might want to look in on that again and see if there's any shifts and changes that you have to make on that as well. Okay, so that's that's the protecting yourself from the unknown. So just making sure that we feel just confident that we have things in place. Again, we can't plan for every scenario possible, but we can have some things in place that give us just that peace of mind of, okay, you know, I have something in place. If something like this were to happen, I feel okay about that scenario because we don't want to be losing sleep at night. We don't want to be 
having, you know, this worry cycling in our heads about these things. So if there's any action that we can take to kind of get that off your plate, to get it out of your, out of your head, out of the worry, um, and then just, yes, move forward. So it's like, yep, I don't know what's going to happen, but I've done something about that. I've put something in place now move forward. Um, so resolution number six, consolidating and simplifying. So this is one I just suggest it kind of goes back to that first resolution of getting organized. Um, the idea of bringing everything kind of together as much as possible. So it's going to make it easier to track. Um, what you find is that kind of over the years, if you're with different employers and they set up savings plans for you, and then you leave employers and you start new ones, and maybe you open new accounts and things like that, suddenly you can have all sorts of accounts open at all sorts of institutions. And it's hard to just even know what you have and what's out there. So it's going to be a lot easier to track, a lot easier to get organized if we can start to consolidate um, bringing them all into one place, maybe one or two different firms that you really work with for the most part, and then that's it, and bringing everything into those locations. Um, because again, it's going to be easier to stay organized, easier to track, easier to know where you stand for that net worth statement, um, easier for other people to track. If something were to happen to you, it's a lot easier for them to know, okay, what is out there you know, what accounts do you have, things like that, versus if you have all sorts of little accounts hanging out there and, you know, you're, it's not, you're not even aware of which ones you have. So um, that's something to consider. Also, there's cost and fee savings and, and discounts to consolidating oftentimes. So there's sometimes small annual administration fees and things like that. So if you can bring them all together, consolidate, maybe they're willing to give you a discount um, on those administration fees, or maybe they're waived if you have certain balances in place. So that's something to consider too, for why you'd want to consolidate. Um, it's going to help with clarity too, on your allocations, your investment allocation. So that way when we're, you know, we're planning or deciding as far as um, how you're invested, um, and your risk exposure, things like that, it's a lot easier to understand your overall allocation when it's all kind of in a one or two or just a few places versus if you have all sorts of accounts out there. Because then again, it's bringing them all together, kind of tracking them all then on one spreadsheet or somehow consolidating the information so you can have a better, clearer picture of how you're allocated um, amongst all these accounts. Um, oftentimes people think they have to diversify for like, I guess, risk mitigation, thinking that if you have your money all at different institutions, if something were to happen. Um, but the thing is, oftentimes there's all, there's coverage and you can look into this at any firm you're with, but there's usually sufficient coverage if anything were to happen to the firm itself, where you wouldn't have to have so many accounts out there um, that you could still have them consolidated if they have an, a coverage of up to a hundred thousand or a million per account. But again, look in on that and just confirm with whatever provider you're with, what type of coverage they have. Um, yeah. And again, a tracking for sake of spending too. So that conversation about just how much are you spending? If we have lots of different credit cards and bank account balance, bank accounts, um, when we're trying to track, well, how much do I spend? It's pretty complicated, um, to do that tracking exercise. So consolidating is really going to help you with that. Resolution number seven, um, it's giving your money time and attention, 
So I don't think we do enough of this. We don't give our money enough time and attention. We trade so much of our time for earning money, but how much time are you giving back to your money? So we spend all this time working away, you know, 40 hours a week, 50, 60, however many hours a week you're working. That's a lot. And then, you know, think about, well, how much money, how much time am I giving back to my money? How much time am I spending, you know, planning for my money, thinking about my money. We probably spend, you probably spend more time um, planning a vacation than maybe you give to your thinking and planning your money each year. Although vacations recently, of course, um, probably few and far between, but think back to a time where you planned a vacation and how much time you spent in doing that. That's one event. How much time are you giving to planning for your money? So some ideas for giving your money time and attention. Talk about finances, um, especially if you have a partner, because then it's you know joint conversation that you want to be having. Communicating openly, mapping out your goals together. Plan a monthly money date. I always suggest so it's just you know put it on the calendar. It's a date where you get together, talk about money. Sometimes the conversations can be you know awkward. Maybe it's tough to bring up or talk about. Well, if you put it on the calendar as an event, you're you know you're both going to show up. You're both going to be there. To to talk about money. So hopefully maybe that relieves some of that um, stress or the uncertainty or insecurity about wanting to have that conversation. If you plan that date, put it on your calendar, both show up ready to talk about money. Even if you don't have a partner, you can very much still set yourself a money date. Maybe it's just with you a glass of wine and some spreadsheets. And again, you're just spending some time on some of these activities we've even chatted about getting organized, um, checking in on where your what your beneficiaries are designated as, things like that. So give your money time and attention, schedule it in. If it's hard to remember to do, schedule it in on your calendar. That way it'll make it a lot easier. Um, yeah, I think that's all I want to say for that one. So give it time and attention. Make sure you're spending some time with your money. Um, resolution number eight. So this is for anyone who has children. Let's commit to raising financially savvy children. I also have a podcast episode on teaching kids about money. So if you haven't listened to that one and you have kids, make sure you take a listen to that one. But such an important one, one I'm very passionate about. I have a six-year-old daughter myself, so you can bet I am very much talking to her and, you know, hoping to teach her these things about money. Um, and it's so powerful and impactful when we can talk to our kids about money throughout their childhood. So yes, my daughter's only six, but there's some age appropriate conversations that I can have with her about money. Um, even just surrounding why we work thing, the things that cost money that we have to pay for as grownups, um, things like that. So that's still, you know, age appropriate and they're starting to learn, have some context for it all. And then as they get older, the conversations can get a little bit more advanced and the, you know, talking about money, then can, we can talk about opening a bank account for them. You can talk about, um, saving for post-secondary education with them and having them, you know, get involved with that conversation. You can talk to them about budgeting and credit card debt and mortgages, especially in those teenage years, because we're setting them up then for those conversations and important topics that are going to be very relevant for them in the coming years. So highly recommend to talk about money with your kids, communicate openly, um, 
find age appropriate ways to bring that convert those conversations up, getting them involved more and more. Um, and then as they kind of grow up and start making their own money, then, you know, even more so we can have these conversations and, and help give them some, give them some guidance. And, um, that, that miracle of compounding interest that I always love to talk about, um, a big piece of it is time and, it's, it's almost, it's even more of a miracle when I could show you the charts on, wow, if you start early for your children, um, if they get started right when they're 18, 19, 20 years old and do some setting money aside for their long-term goals and investing in the rates of return and how quickly that compounds and grows to a point where like, really there's so many things possible for them if they get that early start. So that's the benefit of raising financially savvy children. So that's a big one that I'd love you to commit to. If you have kids, commit to this one in 2021. Um, number nine, resolution number nine. So enlist the assistant, enlist assistance where it is needed. Um, so remembering that we can ask for help. We don't have to do everything alone. We can delegate the tasks that you don't want to do, the ones you don't like to do, the ones that you don't feel like you have a really comfortable working knowledge of. Let's make sure we're delegating, we're giving those tasks to the people that are the professionals that do those tasks very well. Um, you're not alone. So let's remember that these professionals exist. Do some, you know, when you're, maybe it's on your money date or whenever you find some time to give that your money, time and attention, you know, go through what are some of those tasks that you can maybe delegate? What are you trying to do? Or maybe you're putting on that list of I'm going to do, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to make sure I do this. I'm going to, you know, take a course on investing and then I'll be ready to invest. Like, let's look at those and decide, you know, can we take action on them now? Can we decide what we can just delegate to a professional, bring in a professional to help you out and then get moving forward on that? Think about it as what is your time worth? Um, and as a salary employee or even as an entrepreneur, if you can do the math on what is my time worth and then, you know, how much time is this task going to take me and is it better off than, you know, given to someone else, bringing in a professional, having them do instead of your, you doing it yourself. So some of these professionals, who can they include? Accountants lawyers, financial professionals. So if it comes to your taxes and they're just getting a little too complicated, enlisting the help of an accountant. Um, if it comes to that writing of the will, um, maybe it's a cohabitation agreement or um, a prenup or something like that, bringing in those lawyers, those professionals, rather than trying to take on that task yourself. Financial professionals. So maybe it's investing and deciding, you know, I don't, have the time or desire to research investments, to do financial planning. I want to bring in a professional who will assist me and who will do that for me. Um, definitely interview to find the right fit. Take time to really find the person that, you know, is going to give the services, um, the communication, really that you know, checks all the boxes. So make sure you have those questions and what you need and what you're looking for interview to find the right person. I highly suggest interviewing a few, few people and making sure that, you know, you feel really confident with your decision. Um, 
think that's all I want to say for that one. And then, so number 10, this is the last one. Um, so thank you for sticking with me and listening in. Um, lots of, lots of resolutions, but number 10. So it's embrace your money uniqueness. This is one I really like to talk about because I think big events, like what we've gone through over the past year and what we're still going through, um, they have the effect on our lives of having us take that time of reflection and, you know, thinking what is important to me? What do I really want? And I think a lot of people have had those um, moments of reflection and thinking about that with everything that has gone on. It has taken, it has given us that moment of pause to say, you know, what is it that I really ultimately want? Is this the career I want to be in? Do I want to be um, traveling more? Do I want to be living somewhere else than where I'm at right now? Like, is there a life change that, you know, I want to make that is important to my joy and my happiness? And I think oftentimes, sometimes the, the standards that we think we have to be, you know, fitting in the box and it's like, okay, I need to own a home at this age. And, you know, we're, you're married at this age and you're having kids at this age and then you retire and this is what you're doing in retirement. And we think there's sort of this list of what we're supposed to be doing. And then we get really caught up in, in that. And, and oftentimes if you're reading the financial articles or the books, they're, they're usually going according to this outline as well. So then, you know, it starts to feel weird if you're like, well, I don't, you know, I don't even want to own a home. Maybe I'm happy renting and, and it gives me flexibility to move locations and travel more. Um, or maybe it's like, I for sure want to have a home. And it's always been my dream to buy a home and, you know, live in this home for, for years and years and years and raise my family in it. Like it's, it's two people can say almost the exact opposite desires and things they want. So it's important that we really embrace that money uniqueness and, and not fall into the in trap or, or think that we have to follow that, you know, this specific outline of how we should be saving money and, and how we should be spending and what we should be spending our money on. So each of us have a very unique money story and we have very different desires, goals, aspirations, and dreams. Um, so we can't get caught up you know, trying to follow this script. And we also can't be caught up comparing ourselves to others because it just, it won't work. If you're comparing yourself to someone else and where they're at in life, if their goals are not even at all aligned with where you want to go and how, where you want to get to, then there's no point comparing because if you follow their model, you know, you're going to get towards the same goal they're looking to achieve. And if that's not your goal, if someone's looking to retire at 55 and have a nice early retirement in your, in your mind, you're like, well, I love what I do and I want to work as long as possible. And I don't want someone to tell me to stop working. Then, then your goals and what you're saving and how that's all happening is going to look very different. So take time and embrace that. Allow yourself to sit in, you know, what is it that I want? If you can kind of block out everything that's going on around you and what you're hearing and what other people are doing with your mon their money, if you can really block that out and then stop and say, what is it for me? What is important about money for me? What do I want? 
and really know that you're in control. You get to decide the financial vision that you would like to achieve. So no one can tell you what it is. You know, a book can't perfectly outline for you the exact path that you need to go on and what you need to achieve. It is very unique to you. So you have to really get in that and feel strong in that because that's when you can then be confident with it. You can go out and really work towards it. Um, share that goal. If you're working with a financial professional, share those specifics with them so they can help map that out for you. But again, it's your unique journey. It's your unique sort of outline, not someone else's. And it's not a standard one that we can kind of just input you into and, and sort of mold you into. So make sure that you're really giving that the time and attention it deserves. Um, so that was my ideas for your financial resolutions. I'm sure you might have some of your own as well. Um, but now before I end, I just want to say, you know, now is about taking action. So from maybe what you've heard or what you kind of what's been cycling in your head, what are the top three financial goals or actions that you want to achieve in 2021? So write those down. I'm very much a proponent of writing down goals as well write them down. Piece of paper works great. Journal, notebook, um, the notes on your phone, whatever that is. And then also follow up to that is what immediate action can you take within the next 48 hours to work towards one or each of the above? So you have your three goals. Now, what can you do one step? So one tiny step towards that. So maybe it's we talked about, you know, consolidating. Maybe it's, okay, I'm going to shut down this one other bank account, bring it into the other one. Maybe it's, I'm going to check in on the beneficiaries, make sure that they're all, you know, properly updated to reflect my wishes. Um, maybe it's, I'm going to take some time this weekend, do a little budget exercise, um, some fun organizing, whatever that is for you. Um, but break it down to something really tiny that doesn't feel overwhelming, that feels very achievable, something you can do to take action, something that's easy and something that's fun. Or And if it doesn't seem fun, initially make, make sure you make it fun. <laughs> so maybe you give yourself a little treat at the end. Um, so thank you so much for listening in. That's all I have for you today. And I will catch you next time. I hope you found value in this episode. And because I'm such a proponent of taking confident action, I want to pose a question to you, the listener. What is one action that you feel inspired to take after listening to today's episode? If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Thank you so much. And I will catch you next time.